Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. It is I, Jeff Dewaskin, host of Classic Conversations and Crossing the Streams, bringing you this amazing bonus episode. What? We don't deserve... Yes, you do deserve a bonus episode. These are special episodes. They pull from segments of our live show, Crossing the Streams, which is me and a bunch of my pals and guests, and we talk about TV shows that you should be binge-watching. So basically, Crossing the Streams answers the universal question, what should I be watching? And we're here as guides to your binge-watching experience. So this episode has segments from episode 37, 89, and 27. All of our episodes, the full hour-long episodes, are on our YouTube channel. They're always streaming. You can go check them out anytime you want. Get the full live experience. These are just the segments for you to enjoy. We're covering Confess Fletch, Ozark, and Lennox Lewis, The Untold Story in this episode. As a matter of fact, we're going to kick it off with Lennox Lewis, Bob Phillips, our boxing guru, our boxing SME subject matter expert will be on hand to take us through. Find it fascinating every time he does one of his boxing deep dives. Lennox Lewis, The Untold Story. Take it away, Bob. You know what? I feel like I feel like a little Lennox, the untold. Strap in. Love this guy. Love this guy. <laughs> I've got some plot twists in this. There is a reason I chose this. Oh, hey. Uh, there's actually there's several reasons. The, Other the, than it the, being the, boxing. Yeah, I it's uh, it's timely in a number of ways, and you will find out as I unwind this story. I'm just going to say Lennox Lewis is one of the best heavyweight champs of all time. And one of the most underrated, maybe the most underrated, when you think about what he did. I mean, he won the gold medal in the uh, super heavyweight division in the 1988 Olympics. He won that for Canada. He was a guy who was born in London, the poorer part of London, moved to uh, Toronto when he was 12, fought for Canada. He is of Jamaican descent, very erudite, very um, well-spoken, just a a really good guy too, right? Now, Lennox Lewis had the misfortune. uh, let Let me backtrack a second. He is, Lennox Lewis is to Mike Tyson what Larry Holmes was to Muhammad Ali, which is to say they had the misfortune of coming right after two of the most fantastic and colorful athletes of all time. They started their careers, you know, at the time that the other guys were blazing hot, right? So the other guys retired and they were left being their excellent selves, but nobody was willing to accept them as being as good as the, the, their predecessors. But they were every bit as good. In fact, I think if, if Larry Holmes had fought, he, fought, he beat Muhammad Ali, but that was, you know, Muhammad Ali end. was on the yeah. downturn. I would have uh, given Holmes a great chance to beat Ali even in his prime. He was that good, but he was such a he was just such a sullen kind of a jerk of a guy that he never, he was always upset that the, he thought the press was against him. And it, he just was not a, a, you know, a really fun guy to be around, but he was an excellent fighter. Lennox Lewis, on the other hand, jovial, really great guy. Everybody loved him. Had a, uh, you know, his backstory wasn't really interesting. I or wasn't interesting uh, compared to like a Muhammad Ali's, but he came out in the shadow of Tyson. Nobody wanted to think that this guy from the UK 
was any good, but he was astoundingly good. From the moment he won the Olympic gold medal, he went through the heavyweight ranks. Uh, here's a couple of things uh, that you may not know about him. He is uh, he was a two-time lineal champ, which is very hard to be. He is a three-time heavyweight champ. He re he won the heavyweight title three times. That's that's amazing in boxing, uh, in not just the heavyweight division. You lose the title, it's very rare you get it back. You you might get a shot. You lost it for a reason. He won it three times. But did he win? When he won it, Bob, sorry to cut you off there, but when he won it those three times, who were the other big fighters in the in, in the game at that time? Did he win it maybe when things were in between Tyson and Holyfield and those other guys? No, no. He fought Holyfield. He won. He beat Holyfield for the title. He beat uh, Riddick Bowe. He beat um, Kalichko. Um, Kalichko. Yeah. In fact, uh, the names are just, I mean, he beat everybody. In his heyday. And he had a couple of weird losses, just knockout losses that just came out of nowhere, but he came back and won and regained the title each time. He was, you know, he was fighting in uh, the shadow of Tyson. Tyson was, uh, this is 92, 93, 94. Tyson was not who he was, 86 through 90, and then getting beaten by Buster Douglas. But in 1992, uh, they fought. And this was the richest heavyweight fight, you know, uh, up until that time. And Lennox Lewis destroyed Tyson, just just dismantled him, toyed with him. And the reason he did that is because Emmanuel Stewart, a local guy, the manager of Tommy Hearns, of the famed Kronk Jim, said to him, you know, after he lost his title to a guy named Hasim Rahman, it was just a, a fluke knockout. Said, look, you need me. I need to, I need to show you. You are six foot five. You weigh 230 pounds. Why are you toying with these people? Blow them away. Knock them through the ropes. I'm going to show you how. And after he, after Emmanuel got a hold of him, he was a whole different guy. He enjoyed beating Tyson. He carried him. I mean, from the very first round, he was just pop, pop, pop. He just cut him up. Tyson was completely out of his league. I mean, and people forget. I mean, Lennox Lewis is six foot five. Tyson was five eight. I don't care what they say in the height chart. He's <laughs> five eight. He wasn't even five ten. Now that's that's not short, but it's very short for a heavyweight. So props to Tyson for for being such a brutal guy and say, you know, such an awesome champion at that height. He he overcame all those things, uh, this personality deficit that people like to talk about. That he didn't have the, you know, the brutal upbringing and he didn't have the, you know, the color colorful thing. He was, he was a Brit and it was like, you know, he, he was just polite and uh, everybody liked being around him. I have, I met him one time down at Joe Lewis arena. It was uh, when he was uh, still, he was, he was champ at the time and Tommy Hearns was fighting. And it was one of the, it was one of Tommy's last fights and he shouldn't have fought. Uh, and Lennox Lewis was ringside and I had sweet tickets and I went down and I met him and uh, he was exactly like I thought he was going to be funny. I mean, just like, hey, what's your name, mate? You know, and uh, uh, somebody told me you were a boxer. Yeah, yeah. What was your record? You know, where'd you fight? I'm like, what? Why are you asking me this? I'm an idiot. Let me talk to you. And I shook his hand and his hand went halfway up my forearm. <laughs> you know, it, it's freakish how big these men are. It's not, it's not just that they're big. Everything is outsized. It's you, when you shake their hand, you immediately know why they are heavyweight champ. You know, it's, it's unmistakable. So he went through his career, just piling on the belts, piling on the accolades. And he did it. I mean, he, he's probably, he's the quietest heavyweight champ you know, maybe of all time, but he, uh, he did it at all in a classy way. And, uh, I, uh, I, I chose this documentary because I wanted to, I, you know, uh, sort of, uh, mix it with, uh, current events. All right. His final fight was in 2002 and he defended his title, won the title 
uh, or excuse me, he defended his title on a seventh round stoppage of a man who is now mayor of Kiev, Vitaly wow. Klitschko. Stopped him on cuts. Vitaly, it took 60 stitches to put him back together. I mean, he has, he, wow. it was like a scarecrow. And I mean, both of those guys, but both of the Klitschko's, Lennox Lewis, just champions, just, just, just men, just dudes, man. And they, and then he never, and then Lennox Lewis said, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm won enough money. I've got my health. I, you know, I got my wife, my kids, and he never fought again. Wow. And people, people wow. kept trying to get him back in the ring. He said, no, I told you I'm done, man. He gave his belts up and said, Sayonara. So a classy guy and uh, who, who started classy and ended classy, Lennox Lewis. All right. Who doesn't love the one-two punch from Bob Phillips? Lennox Lewis, the untold story. And now I'm going to take us through Confess Fletch. Take it away, Amy. Confess Fletch. Now, this movie is mm. in theatrical release, but how it is in limited theatrical release, and it is also on Prime Video On Demand, mm. and it is going to be on Showtime on October 28th. So if you're going to go see it, which I, I enjoyed this movie very much, I would go to the theater, unless there's a bunch of you, because it's like a $20 rental at this point. So I don't recommend spending twenty dollars if you're going to watch it yourself. But you know, wait it out. You can wait it out. <laughs> Hold out a month and and watch it. Let me talk about Fletch for a second. So Fletch. Let me go back to 1985. 1985 brought us Fletch. These are based on Gregory McDonald's novels. And so Fletch 1985 starred Chevy Chase, and there was a sequel in 1989 called Fletch Lives. Now Fletch 1985, the original one, I will say is probably one of my favorite movies of all time i don't think i mean if there's like a, a a comedy rushmore to me that that movie is on there and chevy chase as i am fletcher is one of the funniest things i mean it's just it's i think it one of the reasons it would be so hard or took so long to reboot the series is chevy chase was so identified with yeah. this character now, Fletch Lives was not nearly as good as Fletch. They didn't really go with the books and stuff like that. But Chevy, that was classic Chevy Chase. Those of you who only know maybe Chevy from Community and after where he just, you know, everyone thought he was just a big jerk or whatever. But there was a point where no one was funnier than yeah. Chevy Chase. Okay? True. Chevy Chase was just the greatest. And Fletch is part of that in 1985. And I've even rewatched it recently. I can laugh every time I watch that show. It's just so, so funny. And it's just great. It's just a great movie, Fletch. All around, all around. So they've tried to reboot this numerous times. Kevin Smith tried to reboot it with Jason Lee. I mean, if Kevin Smith can get, can get Clerks 3 made, but not Fletch, what kind of world do we live in? Uh, Bill Lawrence tried to reboot it with Zach Braff. Jason Zudeikis was part of it. I don't think a Zach Braff or a Jason Sudeikis would have been as good as I think I could mm. see a Jason Lee being good. It's you almost need a subtlety to the to mm. the humor. And Zach and Jason are too naturally already funny, I think, where I know it's weird to say with Chevy Chase, but Chevy Chase wasn't a I don't know. You just have to understand. So they tried to revive this franchise a lot. And it just I think Kevin Smith even tried to revive it at one point with Chevy Chase. I think the quote I remember him saying was the, the studio said we don't make. Chevy Chase movies anymore. We're not, <laughs> we're not in that business. And um, so here we are, 2022, and they have created 
the new movie, Confess Fletch, which is based on the book, also called Confess Fletch by Gregory McDonald. It's a series of novels from the, the 70s on I am Fletcher. Erwin Fletch is his nickname, Fletcher. So and he's, a, he's an investigative reporter, and these are his exploits. Now, this movie, now John Hamm has taken over as Erwin Fletcher. And let me say, John Hamm, who most people would know originally from Mad Men, where I am, but John Hamm is a hilarious guy, you know, like on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and, you know, the, who was in Weddings. Sing, I mean, he's just, he's proven himself to be one of those subtly funny people. And, and so him as Erwin Fletcher is just perfect. It's just absolutely perfect. He's mm. so funny the way he, it's dry humor, it's quick humor, it's smart humor. And it comes at you, and sometimes you might even not realize, oh, that was a joke, and then kind of release laugh afterwards. It is thoroughly enjoyable. I will say that this movie, uh, at one point I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, I, I can't even follow what's going on. It's, it's all over the place. And when I was talking to Howard Rosner, I felt he kind of made a similar. I turned to her and said, this is based on a book. Just trust it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put your faith in it. And sure enough, at the end, it all kind of ties together, and you see, you know, it does a good job of kind of you know, leading in these directions and it ends up being these things and stuff like that. Interestingly enough, there's a couple elements in Confess Fletch that were part of or in Fletch, 1985 Fletch, one line right out of the 1985. Now, I'm not saying the 1985 Fletch didn't borrow it from this book. I didn't read Confess Fletch, so that's possible that they borrowed some elements from the series in general. But there's two. It doesn't, I'm not going to say what they are because one gives away a plot, but, and it's more just like, oh, that's kind of cool. It comes off more like a, a callback. But uh, Marsha Gay Harden is in this. She plays the Countess. She is hilarious. Roy Wood Jr. plays Inspector Detective Monroe. Roy Wood Jr. is on The Daily Show. I actually worked with him once uh, for a weekend at the Comedy Castle. He's amazing at this. Aiden uh, Mayeri plays uh, Grizz. She's great. Kyle McLaughlin I think oh. a, is great. Yeah. He's classic Kyle in this. Yeah. And like, just cast is really good. I enjoyed it. But this is the type of movie I really enjoy. It's just, it's funny. You watch it. You have to watch it. It's one of those things where you can't stop watching and walk away. You know what I mean? Like these days, you know, you can walk 45 minutes into a drama episode of a TV show and you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, so this, you really got to kind of watch it and enjoy it. It's well written. It's a very dialogue heavy movie. And I mean, that is a good thing, but I enjoy that as well. I enjoy that as well. It's about a missing art collection and, and Fletch is the subject of a murder. There's a murder and they think Fletch did it. And of course he has to solve the case to prove himself innocent. And the end of the movie sort of ends as a tee up to the next book in the series. So it's sort of like a way to do that. And then also uh, John uh, Slattery. Did I get his name right? Yeah, John Slattery's in this. He plays Frank Jaffe, who was Fletch's boss. But also they were both in Mad Men together. So it's fun to see the scenes with yeah. the two of them kind of uh, acting together in a, in a different way, in a hilarious way. So I recommend it. I mean, I wouldn't pay $20 to, to rent it unless there's a group of you thrown, each thrown in five, but it will be available, I think, in a month's time. 
on Showtime. And so you can watch it for free. Or, uh, you know, if you love like a David Mamet where it's like a heavy humorous thing, it's not the over the top slapstick of like the 1985 Fletch, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny, but it's not, it's not over the top like that. It's much more subtle. What's with the um, the uh, throwback graphics for the poster? Is is it set in present day? Yeah, it's set in present day. I okay. think the the throwback to it, I think, is just more probably a nod to the, you know, it's a 1976 novel, so it's probably mm. just done in that style. It's I think um, John Hamm just intersects the classic actor like a Cary Grant and modern acting better than anybody that is doing it i mean that guy can do more with like a shrug and an eye roll than most people can do with a soliloquy he's yeah good. he's he's great yeah. i just i just watched which I, I know uh bob is gonna walk out on this comment but uh-huh. i just watched maverick and i loved maverick uh-huh. yeah and and john ham was great in maverick yeah. and, and he's you know, he, he can play many different kind of roles and temperaments and he's so good. But I mean, his, I think people discovered how funny he really could be, which yeah. is a talent in itself. Not everyone can be that funny with that kind of timing. I agree with you, Scott. He's, he's multifaceted. He's great. I've only seen him in um, Bridesmaids and he was great in that as uh, the asshole boyfriend to Kristen Wiig. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's funny in that too. Yeah, he's uh he plays like a uh an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He plays the people that kidnapped all the women and kept them in a bunker. And uh I know it doesn't sound funny, but <laughs> yeah. That was a good show. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to clarify my stance on Maverick. I okay. don't have a stance. I only watch 15 minutes and I I know you walked, out. you walked out. <laughs> Why'd you walk out? All right, that was Confess Fletch from episode 89. By the time you're hearing this, it should be available digitally. So definitely check that out. I loved it. Now we're going to go back to episode 27 of Crossing the Streams. Ron Lippett's going to take us through Ozark. At that time, there were only three seasons released. So we're referring to a fourth season that will be coming, as we all know, because you're hearing this now. The fourth season has come and gone. So we all know how it ends. Spoiler. All right, let's look into Ozark. Take it away, Ron. All right, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of not bad, we're going to talk about uh, the follow-up to Arrested Development, Ozark. The reason I want to talk about Ozark, first off, we've never done it before, and that actually surprised me having gone now, what are we, 26, 27 episodes now? 27 episodes. 27 episodes, which is amazing, by the way. So the (laughs) fact that we haven't brought up Ozark is is surprising to me because it is most watched shows on Netflix, right? I want to talk about it because they have signed for their fourth and final episode, which has been announced as 14 episodes to be divided into two seasons, basically. They're doing the whole kind of Game of Thrones final season is really two season thing and they haven't announced a a a date yet for when we can watch it but production has already begun so that's exciting and so with that kind of in the news and jason bateman just absolutely crushing it with his with this uh series on netflix i i thought it's worth talking about it and and jeff i totally agree with what you just said that first episode if you can't get on board with the first episode like if it's not your vibe then you probably shouldn't watch this show because i would describe this show as nothing short of exhausting it is an exhausting show. Every episode, every episode you feel spent. You feel like you have no more emotional charge to give these characters and and there's no possible way they're going to uh, survive into the next episode based on the way the the, the landscape was, was laid out. 
I will say this, I, and I've talked about this before. Jason Sudeikis and Justin uh, Justin Bateman. Justin Bateman? Oh, my God, Jason Bateman. They're my two favorite comedy actors in American you know, cinema and film, TV. And so that the, the idea of seeing Jason Bateman in such a powerful, dramatic show just goes to show you his range and I think his talent and the fact that he's executive producer and has kind of thought up the entire um, storyline, the arc, and I think how it's going to finish is really just a, a tribute to how just absolutely amazing he is. One of the things I definitely want to talk about with that first episode, I consider, this is my opinion, this is only for me, but I consider the pilot episode of Ozark the absolute best Best pilot episode for any show I can I can possibly remember. I happen to think that Isai Morales uh, as the character Dell um, gives one of the most powerful performances in season one of Ozark, and it's particularly frightening in yeah. the in the pilot episode. Yes, yes. absolutely menacing. And uh, I I will tell you, and this is not giving away anything, and not hopefully reckon anything, but he doesn't stick around for the rest of the series. And I think that was the one big mistake that Jason Bateman made in the show is they, they, uh, his character did not continue on to um, some of the greater stories, um, you know, further into the series, because for me, he was worth the the price of, of Netflix and, and, and that series, as far as I was concerned. They kind of uh, brought, I don't want to say they brought him back, but they had, there's another guy that steps up and takes his place who is, not quite as menacing. That's right. Horrifying, but maybe he realized his mistake. He, there's a, there is Isai Morales, you know, and for those of you who don't know Isai Morales, he he got his fame in in the uh, movie La Bamba as the brother to Lou Diamond Phillips, and he was he's been in just countless other shows as the as the side plot Mexican, which is a terrible. Uh, actually, he's Puerto Rican, but um, you know, and he talks a lot about that in interviews that he's reached the day and age, you know, here in in the 2000s, 2010s, that he can, you know, let Latinos and Latinas uh, have really arrived today, and that's that's something he. Uh, garners a lot of pride about. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I will just say the idea that um, that he could be so menacing and so charging was was really what kind of got me excited about this show. I hadn't really given uh, much to how powerful some of the other characters are. Laura Linney, I think, does an amazing job as Jason Bateman's wife on the show. Uh, the kids who I've never heard of before are, are fantastic. I think there's a number of side characters that um, kind of pepper this show that I think are very memorable, very exciting every time they come on. Uh, but again, for me, Isai Morales, there's a certain elegance to him in seasons in season one and two that it's kind of like, um, do you guys remember Raul Julia? Yeah. This is what I think he's kind of emerged into that genre. There's an elegance about him, but also just an absolute terror to the way he can uh, uh, portray that. So enough about Isai Morales. What's interesting also about um, Ozark is that this did not this show did not kick off well. It did not have immediate role right from the start. In fact, um, Rotten Tomatoes kind of killed it the first uh, season, and then it built into a, a steady build into a uh, a ninety plus. I don't know how big you guys are on Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes is in my mind kind of the, the the barometer, and um, it really built into a, a steady following, and and is now considered to be one of the prime watch shows on. Uh, uh, on Netflix. So, you know, I, I just wanted to bring this up because I'm super excited about season four coming up. Uh, I think this is a really great show that has kind of found its stride. I think Jason Bateman did a great job, as I already said. And I, for one, uh, wanted to bring it up so we could talk about it uh, and get excited about what's to come, I, I believe, in 2022 uh, for the conclusion uh, of Ozark. So that's my review for Ozark. Jason Bateman, like directing the first two episodes of season one and then the final two episodes also, uh, did such a great job of setting the tone and making that just that deep, ominous, like 
like you know thrill throughout and yeah it's a beautiful show that is yeah I, exhausting is such a cool way of putting it because y- you can only watch like one to two at a time so like all right i gotta put on something else like something like <laughs> go yeah, back and rewatch like ted lasso just as a uh, yeah yeah well you know it's it's interesting um jerry just mentioned he described it as Breaking Bad. And I think that's how it's described. If you like Breaking Bad, it's it's the same kind of genre. Breaking Bad to me is exactly how you just said, which is emotionally spent. There are episodes, there's an episode of Breaking Bad where they're trying to get rid of the body in the bathtub and then yeah. it's sitting, it goes through yeah. the floor. Right? And I remember seeing it, watch, having the TV on that show came on again, that episode came on again, and I had to turn it. Because not because it's not like one of the greatest episodes, I just emotionally couldn't deal with it again. And like, and that's how I felt like a lot of Breaking Bad was. It was definitely a, a roller coaster of emotion. And so maybe like when I now that I'm thinking back, the timing of that with watching that first episode of Ozark, which was pretty gosh dang intense, you know, yes, putting them in the drum, you know, and and so thinking to myself, maybe I'm just not ready to get into a show that like that again. You know what I mean? So it's it, been years though. So I mean, maybe it, I'm it is hard. I, you know, I, I, and I forgot to mention one final thing that uh, the actress, Julia Garner, who plays the character Ruth Langmore uh, on Ozark, one of the most talented actresses I've seen in a long time. And I think she yeah. does an absolutely stellar job um, in the, in this role as uh, Ruth Langmore. So all right, Ron, thanks for taking us through Ozark. That episode inspired me to watch all of Ozark. So I have seen seasons one through four, which is now out. Highly recommend it. It's one of the best shows ever. So go check out Ozark. Go check out Confess Fletch. Check out Lennox Lewis, The Untold Story. You got so much to do. I don't want to keep you any longer. Grab that perfect spot on the couch. Grab the remote. Cross your own streams. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.